Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. Uh, if you can hear a change in energy in my voice, it's because we're in the booth today. We're recording live and in person uh, with someone who I am extremely excited to talk to. Uh, my co-host for today is a director with an extensive history in production design. Uh, if you took in Justin Bieber's visual album for Changes, she production designed that. If you watched the Machine Gun Kelly movie, Downfall High, she production designed that. She has production designed so many things, I could just keep talking about them, but instead I will switch over into her directorial work. Uh, if you have seen Bleed from the Fatal Collective, she directed the short Buffalo Bill within that. In the upcoming and feature-length anthology, Give Me an A, she directed the segment Traditional Francesca Maldonado, a polymath of the entertainment industry, an actor in her own right as well, um, with a, with actually a career behind her in that too. Hello, welcome to the show. Is there anything else that people need to know about you before we get started? No, I like to be secretive. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I've blown up your spot. They feel like I've torn off the veil. Um, but like like any true hot girl wanting to maintain the mystery about her, uh, hot girl to her very core, Francesca Maldonado, we'll put that in as like a, a resume line item as well. Francesca, what movie and character have you brought for us to discuss today on the pod? Okay, today I have brought Rebecca Buck, also known as Tank Girl, mm-hmm. in the 1995 film portrayed by Lori Petty. Mm-hmm. Listen up, because I'm only telling you this once. I'm not bedtime story lady, so pay attention. It's 2033. The world is screwed now. You see, a while ago, this humongous comet came crashing into the Earth. Bam! Total devastation. End of the world as we know it. No celebrities. No cable TV. No water. It hasn't rained in 11 years. Now, 20 people got to squeeze inside the same bathtub. So it ain't all bad. Did you watch this when it came out? Was this, like, the VHS tape arrived... Watching it at home, and and how old were you when that happened? I think I was about six when I saw it the first time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My brother showed it to me, yes, on a VHS tape. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he was very excited to show it to me. (laughs) I was was a cool kid. So, yeah, Tank Girl was very formative. Tank Girl, very formative. It was for me as well. I was about—I was in the 10 range when I saw it. It was definitely— my mom might have bought this straight away, like, or we rented it or something on HBO. But, like, well, as soon as we saw this, it became a Cruciola House movie. Like, watch this with mom. My sister's always been kind of in different movies. So that didn't matter. But, like, me and my mom were the movie people in the house. This wouldn't have been my dad's thing. But, man, we, once we did have this on tape, that, like, neon-colored, practically VHS slipcover over the tape, we wore this out. And it is so funny thinking back now to how much my mom was seeing on screen that was happening that I just could not perceive. At the age of 10. <laughs> Absolutely. I just rewatched it last night. Mm-hmm. I also saw it recently because I showed my stepdaughter it. Oh, God. That's so... What a fun I know. share. So that was fun. That was fun to, to give that to her as well. Um, we definitely had to fast forward a couple parts, but still <laughs> amazing. <laughs> was she now... Okay. How does that hit? Because she's about 10, I understand. She was... I think nine when we showed it to her. It was about a year ago. How does that land for a nine-year-old in the 2020s? Like, how is that? Like, are, is she even Gen Z anymore, or are they a new generation? She's Gen Alpha. That's Gen, They're called Gen Alpha? Yeah, yeah. She's not. She's Gen Z's. You're old. You're, you're, you're <laughs> over. You're done. You're nexted. You've been nexted. Oh, my God. That feels so satisfying to say. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. I love them all, actually. No, I love them, and I just want them. I'm so excited for each of them to realize that time comes for us all. Gen Alpha coming up on the heels. You know, and and the secret in the sauce is 
hot girl lasts forever. So, <laughs> so don't worry. You're it, so right. It's good. You're it's all so good. Right. <laughs> um, for for my stepdaughter, I would say this was a hit. I I would oh, that's yeah. So good I, to I think know. it was it was a hit for her. Um, she loved Birds of Prey. Oh, me and her should go to the movies together. <laughs> yeah, yes. she's a great movie, but yes. she loved Birds of Prey. Loved, loved, loved Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. She also loved the first Suicide Squad also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so she just loves that character, so we knew she would love You're that, You're right. Girl. That's a really yeah. good... Tank Girl is a really good antecedent for Birds of Prey. Yeah, I felt like my Harley Quinn was Lori yeah. Petty's Tank Girl. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that at all. I'm thinking now, like, I've, I've been kind of preoccupied the past couple of years, honestly, like, thinking a lot about, like, like 90s films and the weirdness of them, like, the strangeness of things that were just served up commonplace and routinely in the 1990s. And I abs- my favorite strain, Birds of Prey fan as I am, my favorite strain of the comic book movie is that bright popping Technicolor, like the, obviously the Schumacher Batman, but like the Phantom with Billy Zane, the Shadow with Alec Baldwin, this movie, Dick Tracy, like that was my, that remains my favorite era of comic book movie. And I, there's, Roger I, Rabbit. Ro- oh God, you're so right. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit? The most important one. And it, one, of the, one of the great movies of all time, honestly. And you talk about like adult themes you didn't pick up on when you were watching, though we were all picking up on Jessica Rabbit, the, the grand unifying experience. You talk of- about formative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, because there's the idea of things being dated and, and like showing things to young audience now and being like, is this going to read as like cheesy to them or like they can kind of see the scenes. But it feels to me like there's there's almost something sort of so strange about 90s cinema that that's different from any kind of strangeness that we kind of encounter now. There's like a more sincere sort of oddity and quirk about it that I wonder if like, can that be out sort of outside of sort of the dated conversation? Because it, I would imagine it kind of feels something brand new. Like, it's not like, oh, this seems old. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, what planet were you guys bringing in movies from at that time? You know, I think there were plenty of misses in the 90s that we forget about. Sure, 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 sure. And, and we don't account for. But <laughs> the ones that are hits, mm-hmm. I think, were such strong hits that they do stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is the, like, not taking itself too seriously. Yes. That's so refreshing. We were talking about it while we were watching it, um, myself and my partner, Mm -hmm. Alex, and we were trying to see, like, could Tank Girl work today? I know know Margot Robbie's company was— uh, oh, lucky chap. Yeah, they were trying to option for it or— or they makes total sense. Right, it does, right? (laughs) Yeah, like, wow, Margot, okay, yeah. And I was like, oh, can it work today? And— it, I think it could. It would have to be like a Deadpool, the first Deadpool yeah. style, where it it maintains that not taking itself too seriously mm-hmm. thread, mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I could see it working. But there's something about the '90s version of it where, in all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. this is a low budget, yeah, big '90s movie, yeah, and it's still huge, still huge, and it just feels so silly the whole time like we were talking about uh lori petty's hair yes there's zero continuity (laughs) every single scene it's a different style like can can we get away with that today right would people be like okay (laughs) like did you dry yeah do you anybody watching the monitor (laughs) now did you what was what was the immediate what was the immediate sensation of you watching tank girl and experiencing lori petty's character when you were, were watching that when your brother was showing that to you 
Oh, I I thought that's this is it. This mm-hmm. is who I'm gonna be when I grow up. <laughs> for for many years after that, I totally thought I was gonna go join the army and wow. learn how to drive tanks, <laughs> and this was who I was gonna be as a grown up. Yeah, like 100. percent And so much of her style and her clothing and her hair influenced me for years and wow. years and years after that. Like. Through high school, I would dress in all these like graphic shirts, and mm-hmm. and so much of that movie style in particular uh-huh. was like a through line in my life until I graduated high school. And I remember in high school, I really wanted to shave my head. Okay. And I was like, I should do it now, when it doesn't matter. When it doesn't matter, yeah. And I just chickened out, and I didn't do it. And now it matters. Now I'm not gonna <laughs> shave my head, but. I'm like, damn it. Now, I, I, uh, the folks, friends uh, of this pod will know that I am a, I am a, a, a queer person. I am on the a, a, asexual spectrum, panromantic asexual. Um, this was a movie that feels like it was one of those l- building the language of, of queerness in my life, watching it. Like, the, the moment when, like, A, I felt so much for Naomi Watts' character, Jet, in this movie. God, brunette Naomi Watts, where'd you go? The scene in the sand shower when Naomi Watts' character, she's being persistently sexually harassed and uh, perhaps assaulted, like things happening off camera, by this one, the story of Tank Girl, let's say. The story of Tank Girl is, it is post-apocalypse. The the earth has been sapped of all of its water, and all of the water is controlled by one corporation, Water and Power, which I feel like is one of the great evil corporation names of all time. And Water and Power controls the water so they control everything, and the landscape is sort of dotted with survivors. Among them is, like, Tank Girl and her cohort, and they are raided one night— and her people are killed, and sort of this young girl who is her charge, who she sort of takes care of, it's like a little sister-daughter figure, she gets taken away. So Tank Girl endeavors to get the girl back. And, of course, along the way is imprisoned by water and power, and she escapes, and she finds allies, and they, in an uprising, like, have to take on water and power to achieve their rebel goals. All of which is to say, when we are introduced to the character of Jet and Tank Girl coming together in the sand shower with with Tank Girl coming to save her from this misogynist monster. And she kisses her and she's like, stop picking on my girlfriend. That was absolutely one of the first times in my life I registered, like, girlfriends as a thing that existed. I would have to say same. At all. Yeah, I think so as well. If it wasn't for me, you would just be another whore around here. And all I'm asking for... Just a little bit in return. Quit picking on my girlfriend. also queer I'm, I'm bisexual mm. so this is like an early formative movie yeah. you know like when you're a little kid and you're seeing this you're like oh oh <laughs> oh <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> well and it's it's interesting when you have like you kind of alight upon those figures who like like Lori petty i feel like very much her entire 
energy in the 90s and, and throughout her career, but as we, we meet her in the 90s, like, became one of those, like, if you know, you know, sort of queer totemic figures mm-hmm. where, like, you even see her in, like, you see her in Point Break and, like, she's with... She's with men in that movie, but you're watching her being like, that's a gay character. <laughs> like, that's a gay girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it is. And you're watching Tank Girl. And even though, like, she she has a boyfriend, like, in the movie starts and she's putting on for Jet to, like, save her from this bad man, it's still kind of like, nah, you get, you'll, you'd get down with anyone. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that, like, just sort of the the recklessness and the fluidity and the, the flexibility, unselfconsciously so, of Lori Petty, I feel like in this era is, like, a really important part of queer discovery, I think, watching movies at this time. Yeah, Tank Girl is for the girls, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were like, I'm going to go... I'm going to go into the army. I'm going to like that was like you're like all right, I'm going to I'm going to drive I'm going to drive tanks. That's going to be my life. Were you like how what was your relationship to kind of like movies at the time? Like were you a big movie kid? I was. Yeah. Okay. Um I was acting pretty prolifically as a as a young child. Mm-hmm. I was doing mostly commercials. Yeah, you're um, you're a native to the area. You are yeah, you are a Los grew- Angelino. You grew up around here and in the industry. Yes, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I grew up acting um commercials as well as like theater. And it was a big part of our lives. We were auditioning. Mm-hmm. And this was back when you drove to auditions. <laughs> okay, so my parents would get off work, come pick me up from school. We'd go to an audition two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a huge part of our lives. Yeah. That's a lot of time dedicated to this time off school to be on set. That's where I learned how the like hierarchy of set works. Yeah. And, and I knew I kind of strayed from it and then went to school for film and realized like, okay, this is where... I'm meant to be as mm-hmm. on set, you know. Um, so we grew up seeing pretty much every movie in theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. We would go sometimes two two times a week. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> like all, each, both weekend days. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Every holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Christmas was always a big movie time. We always, mm-hmm. like, the like maybe the night of or the day after Christmas was always a movie time with our yeah, family. Yeah, for, for us, for sure. We would, Christmas night... Thanksgiving night, we were in the theaters. If, <laughs> if I go visit my family for the holidays, even today, mm-hmm. Christmas night, we'll, <laughs> we'll go to the movie theaters. Um, we watched all the award ceremonies. Mm-hmm. It was very much, you know, I think my parents, one, they loved movies. Mm-hmm. And then two, showing me as a kid, like, oh, this is what's possible. Yeah. This is what's out there. This is what you're working towards, uh-huh. you know, so that it wasn't lost in translation spending all this time on it. Yeah. So I loved movies. Um, My parents also didn't censor me. Mm -hmm. You know, as an adult, we we censor Lilu much more than Mm -hmm. I ever was Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, But they were were there, so Mm -hmm. I think that was fine. Um, So my favorite movies as a little kid was... Fight Club, mm-hmm. Tank Girl, Scream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are these are like what I think of as my childhood. I was yeah. also the youngest of six older siblings. Wow. Yeah. So being the youngest of six, you very much want to be cool and be brave. Yeah. And, and watch all the movies your siblings are watching, mm-hmm. and um, and they they showed me a lot of stuff as well. So my brother especially showed me a ton of movies. When you were, because like, with with the industry, like, a, a, a very specific thing about it as a as a business is that like there are there are children professionals. Yeah, you don't go to you know J P Morgan and there are 
fucking six year olds <laughs> no. like working in the accounting department. Like that's that's not how it's not how it works. But like so when you're when you were like watching movies as a kid and you were you were going and auditioning for things, did you look up to young other young professionals that you saw in movies, or did you did you look up to adults? Were there like other were peers your models for what you want out of your career, or was it aligning yourself very early? with the the jobs of grown-ups? Um, I think it was actually probably more adults. Yeah. And I think that made it harder to sustain into my teen years because I wasn't looking at other teens' yeah. careers. I think that's a really good point. And advice I would give younger actors uh-huh. would be to find peers your age with careers you like uh-huh. to try to emulate. Uh-huh. Because I was looking at adults, I would go, go on auditions then for roles meant for kids uh-huh. and they wouldn't hit for me and I wasn't I wasn't as interested in them right. and I actually was like okay I think I'm gonna go out and try to change what roles are for teens mm-hmm. which kind of is what I'm actively trying to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I would go on auditions for you know Disney things and Nickelodeon things and and I was like oh who's writing these, you know? (laughs) And as an adult looking at myself, I'm like, you're dumb. (laughs) Just go do it. (laughs) What are you thinking? But to the the question of Tank Girl. Oh, yes. (laughs) There is, I think, it's such an, like, it's, you know, we were talking a bit before about how, like, these movies that, like, there's so much happening in them that's just 100% for adults that kids aren't even going to pick up on. But Lori Petty is such a good access point. It's such a big broad performance but not in a pandering way that i think it's a great access point for kids even though this is not a children's movie the gloss of it and the the color pop of it makes it feel like it is and lori petty is giving a very grown woman performance but as something that like i feel like is really easy for kids to attach to yeah something about the way she delivers lines and delivers her jokes Mm -hmm. it's giving almost like This is a terrible analogy. Lori (laughs) Petty, please forgive me. But it's almost giving, like, hot girl Pee Wee Herman vibes. That is a completely fair thing to say. You know, like, it's it's fun and silly and very outlandish. Mm -hmm. And I I distinctly remember the the biggest influence of Tank Girl being her, like, delivery of snark. (laughs) And I was like, I want to embody that. I want to be that effortless. Effortless. Uh Uh-huh. In my snark <laughs> to annoying men. Wow. Forever. That's an incredible thing to absorb as like a, an about 10-year-old. Yeah. I was I was just like. Having an awareness that you wanted to admonish men at a young age is very relatable <laughs> to me personally. It feels like, you know, we were really looking down the road pretty far ahead. I've always been a girl's girl. <laughs> I will say. I love the boys, but I've always been a girl's girl. <laughs> Proud to have you on the show. <laughs> Proud to have you on the show. Well, it, there's something, too, like, we were in the way that this, like, is a movie for, like, a movie aesthetically that could present as for kids but is very much for adults. Like, we were talking before the recording about you were saying, like, every scene in this movie is a different kink. It, it is. I definitely don't think I picked up the, on that as a little kid no, at I, all. No, I will profess to not picking up on that at all. I think I I picked up on, like... It was uh, interesting in the way, like, oh, Disney prince and princesses are mm-hmm. probably interesting to most kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I I didn't pick up on like the nature of it. But rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, I see the undertones of every scene, <laughs> almost every scene that they're they're addressing and and they're confronting uh-huh. like a lot of negative things too. They're they're confronting pretty head on in this movie. Yeah. Um, especially with the the younger character, her ward. Yeah. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. They were selling a girl's stuff after they had taken her prisoner. I bought it. It was sad, really. What'd they do with the girl? First, tell me what Water and Power want with her. We're not Water and Power. We're escaped prisoners. Oh, in that case... Oh, it was terrible. They put her to work in town at Liquid Silver. Come on, Jed. Gotta go get her. To the bat tank! Wait! Which is cool. It's it's cool how they address it and they, they look it straight in the face and, mm-hmm. and you know, throw up the middle finger to it, mm-hmm. which is fun. And then um, so much of Lori Petty's character is, like, really empowered and sexy yeah. and, and totally confident in what she gives off and, yeah. you know, how to use that to her advantage and... It's interesting for well, sure. In the in 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 not like the the queerness isn't the only thing about it, but I, I look back at it now and like what a sort of delightful just like the the moment where she does she does kiss Jet in the sand shower when and the, she gets the guy to walk away and Naomi says to her she's like oh thank God like that worked and yeah, yeah. Lori goes <laughs> what worked yeah <laughs> and just the. The casualness with which it was okay for her to just be bisexual in that moment, like at a, you know, the the variety of of labels that one can Im- adopt in their queerness now is is so vast. And at the time, like it was it, you were gay or straight at at best. Right. Like there there really wasn't a binary. I like I, I have a, a young friend who was like part of a gay straight alliance in her school. She's in her mid twenties, part of a gay straight alliance in her school when she was in high school and like talking about like being bisexual and out in high it was like there was no I didn't there wasn't a single bisexual. <laughs> like in in Canby, Oregon, there might have been gay people, but there were no bisexuals, I can assure you. And and for the girls, mm-hmm. I feel like was even a slower representation progress you know oh yeah absolutely so to have this so blatant and then you know of course she has her boyfriend and and then she has her her boyfriend at the end sort of she has her kangaroo boyfriend yeah she has her kangaroo boyfriend which is interesting (laughs) she has her ripper kangaroo (laughs) you know i just i loved it it's time for a quick break but we will be right back in a minute with francesca and tank girl And then I will have one quick thing before I go about the upcoming series that I have just learned about, Class of 07. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale until now actually we still can't bring people back from the dead that would be crazy but the dead pilot society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from hollywood's finest writers every month dead pilot society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced performed by the funniest actors from film and television how does dead pilot society achieve this miracle the answer can only be found at maximumfun.org Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, 
Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Feeling Scene. I'm here talking with filmmaker and production designer Francesca Maldonado about a movie and a performance from the 1995 film Tank Girl that is precious to both of us. It is Lori Petty as the titular Tank Girl. So let's get back to it. Oh, can't anybody see bangers on this soundtrack too like this movie absolutely oh, yeah. introduced me to Portishead oh yeah the, the music is just that was another part I think that's so formative yes. for Tank Girl and in the you know the Riot Girl representation uh -huh. there we better go before they come back for us you take the tank are you sure it, that was very influential for me. That this, That's like probably more how the style was so influential. Mm -hmm. It's because it was so punk rock. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, like, you know, when you were when you were a young actor thinking about what you wanted out of parts for for yourself and, and, and your sort of cohort. But then you mentioned, too, like wanting that to be a sort of part of your mission creatively now as as an adult filmmaker. Not somebody who makes adult films, but an adult <laughs> who is a filmmaker. As an adult filmmaker, um, hey, get get him where you fit in. Um, why is that something that is creatively interesting to you today? To present that with an accuracy and an authenticity. Um, for myself, the the films I'm actively working on, mm -hmm. um, developing, and trying to make are effectively young adult horror. Yeah. So it's teenagers, young people in college. Mm -hmm. um, that's mostly where I focus, mm -hmm. and I want them to be cool. Mm -hmm. There's this element for me in, in horror specifically, but in film all over, yeah. every genre, that I think has been lost in the last... At least for sure the last like 10 to 15 years, probably mm -hmm. since the rise of social media, mm -hmm. where movies used to be this calling card for fashion. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the styling in film was so important mm -hmm. that someone can wear a black trench coat, black mm -hmm. sunglasses, leather pants, totally. and you look at them and go, okay, Neo. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so many things. You know, when I say like a bob, a choker— and an oversized sweater, you know that's the professional. I was going to say, you're, you're talking about Natalie Portman now, right? Like, right. okay, yeah. I was like, okay, good, God, yeah. Okay, you know, I'm cool. Like, and that those calling cards, those style points have influenced now so much since then yeah. that we see Gen Z and we see the younger generations, anyone that's interested in fashion, repeating those moments yeah. still today. You know, they say Sharing like... Sharing clueless. Right. They're like, oh, Y2K 90s all over again. And yeah. it's like... 
I don't think it's necessarily just Y2K and 90s that's happening all over again. Mm -hmm. It's that they don't have real style references Mm -hmm. right now because styling is so lost in film. Well, that was, and I would imagine that's part of like in the way that Euphoria and all of my confused feelings about that show, in the way that Euphoria became such like the look of Euphoria, the clothes of Euphoria, the makeup of Euphoria, Phil Dolls Kill providing you with the entire wardrobe of Euphoria (laughs) kind of situation. Like it, yes, it 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 there it captured a moment and it presented it very evocatively. But at the same time, too, the way you're talking about it, if it had a vacuum to arrive in, then there was space for something to dominate that conversation in terms of like what is the fashion day rigor as we present like teens wearing clothes and existing in this world. It's like, well, look, we got to have something. So like, let's fill all that space with this one show. Yeah, Euphoria is a great fashion reference of a show. And you can see just by the response mm-hmm. of how much people love the makeup artists. Go look at that makeup artist, see how many following, how much of a right. following they have. You know, they love the stylists off that show. Like, right now, people are trying so hard to find any style reference today mm-hmm. to glom onto because it's so far and few between. Why is this something that's very important to you in terms of, like, you're, you're a production designer, you're a director. Like, what is this that is something that it's such, like, a Velcro sort of stick to you aspect about like creating and making something seem real? I think because I grew up with films the way I did. Yeah. That so many times I left a theater and I went in one way and mm. I came out another way. Yeah. You know, oh, that's cool. You like it, it affects you for years. It mm-hmm. changes how you talk, how you dress, mm-hmm. you know, like how you want to be perceived, what you want to present as. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a part of this art. That's really important to preserve for the next generations. Yeah, yeah. Like now I'm older. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I know what I dress like. Yeah. I know what I talk like. <laughs> and I can now turn around and create stuff, create characters mm-hmm. to give that to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. That's like a huge part of film. That's why Tank Girl is so provocative mm-hmm. and so memorable. Now, a, a question I have specifically about like, you know, seeing yourself or not in film growing up is you grew up like like you said, you grew up in the valley here around L.A. Like what was when you were watching movies, what did popular culture tell you that valley representation was? Oh, that's a good question. Because um, I feel like the valley, it's only recently it seemed like become something where people were like, oh, I'm moving there. I'm buying a house there. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, in the 90s, like, I, I, I think I've talked to you about this previously. Like, I remember I would come visit L.A. in, like, the late aughts. And I would stay with my friend in Studio City. And I would come back to San Francisco. And some folks from L.A. worked at the office I was at at Wired Magazine. And they were like, oh, where are you staying at when you go down there? And I said, like, Studio City. They're like... Oh, the valley? Like, I I got, like, dragged for visiting a friend in the valley. And this was, like, barely 2010. Yeah, I I am a bona fide valley girl. You are. You are dyed in the wool. Yeah, I I love the valley. I love all artists that come from the valley. Whenever (laughs) I'm, like, I'm, like, not really into a song and then I find out they're from the valley, I'm, like, go off. (laughs) 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 On repeat. Um, I love that. So I don't think... It really hit me how people felt about the valley until I moved out of the valley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad you weren't wearing that pressure while you were just living in the valley. Um, no, I, I definitely had my own opinions about the valley growing up in the valley. Yeah. Which are valid opinions because you lived in the fucking valley. Right. You know, like I, it was very suburban, a lot of like chain restaurants. Yeah. And I just thought I was very cool. So <laughs> I did not see that necessarily in my future. <laughs> Um, 
But when I got out of the Valley and I moved to Hollywood and started hanging out with different types of people mm-hmm. and, and people that grew up in L.A. but not in the Valley. Yeah. A lot of things I would hear like, oh, like, don't date 818. That, that was a <laughs> okay. phrase I heard. Um, not in reference to me, just just letting me know that it existed yeah. as a phrase. Yeah, like, oh, FYI. Yeah. Uh, and people just rag on the valley so hard, yeah. which is like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it What it taught me was that I needed to be very loud about being from the valley uh-huh. then. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. You don't like the valley. I'm going to show you how how good the valley can be. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I like about this is sort of like a, a through line is like you were, you know, it seems like when you experienced a sort of influence or like you learned something as you were growing up. And, and I, I, this seems still true of you now, like your reaction to being shown something that perhaps might have been disagreeable was to be like, oh, if I'm that then I better be fucking more of that. Yeah. Like, you you watched Tank Girl, and you're like, I want to hone my snark <laughs> to, like, destroy these men. Like, that. that's something I want to take with me. Like, people being like, oh, don't date 818. You're like, I'm going to let everybody know I'm from the goddamn valley. Yeah. Like, I, I appreciate this aspect that, like, hearing something that is meant to be delivered possibly as a slight or, like, a forewarning to you. And you're like, great, I better make that a core part of my fucking identity then. Yes, exactly. Like, I think... Very hot girl behavior. (laughs) It really teaches you that, like, you know, I growing up in the Valley, I didn't think it was, like, all that interesting Mm -hmm. until you go somewhere else and you realize, oh, people have really adverse opinions about it. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. Who I am and, like, where I'm from Mm -hmm. is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, people, whether they're good or bad, Mm -hmm. they are interested in it. They have opinions about it, and they want to know more about it. Yeah. So showing it in stories, telling people about it, um, telling people about my childhood and where I'm from, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're, like, this is the lifestyle I want, they're interested in hearing about it because it's something they didn't have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's really important to just be true to wherever you're from, mm-hmm. whatever that means, you know. Well, and did you find yourself like like we have like with with Tanker like you're you're growing up in in like the this epicenter of like entertainment production. You're in the maelstrom in like auditions and things of of, you know, you're at casting calls. You're you're mm-hmm. you're seeing this great swath of humanity like competing for these jobs. Did you find yourself like with like in the example of Tank Girl, were you often like did you have to more typically graft yourself onto Uh, white protagonists as a non-white person? Or did you feel like you had representation sort of across the board that felt accurate and indicative of you? Or was there more of that, like, headcanoning thing happening to, like, put yourself in different experiences that close enough mirrored your own? But, like, maybe not quite. Um, I think that it was was kind of a running joke when I was a kid between, like, me and my parents because we'd, you know, they'd take me to the auditions. Mm -hmm. And as a kid in the 90s, there were not really mixed roles. Mm. Um, the first time I really saw a big movie with a mixed role was Yesterday with Jenna Ortega. That's right. Yeah. Boy, that is recent. And I said, oh, I guess it's time for me to start acting again. <laughs> and I, I enrolled in acting classes shortly after uh-huh. and, and got headshots and was like, there's room for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, it wasn't really the case. You were much more likely... Uh, obviously in the 90s, to be cast in a race that you looked like, not necessarily what you were. Sure. Um, And so a lot of times in white rooms, I'd be too brown, Mm -hmm. and in brown rooms, I'd be too white. Mm 
Um, <laughs> but I didn't really let that affect the way I would deliver a role. Yeah. You know, I would connect with the character, and if it worked, it worked. A lot of times it was commercial auditions, so it's like, you know, Happy Mother's Day, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so these aren't like real deep dives into the soul here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times, or not a lot of times, but a, a few times I distinctly remember um, leaving the audition room. We're driving home. This, this is one, one time in particular. Not, mm -hmm. a, not a lot, not a few, one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so we're leaving the audition room. We're driving home. And it was a room full of blonde hair, blue-eyed girlies, yeah. you know, and me. Yeah. And oh, in the 90s, for the visual, I had a big perm. <laughs> of course, naturally. And I was tiny. 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 <laughs> I was a very, very tiny kid. I would imagine you maybe always kind of looked a little younger than your age. Yeah. 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 Like on the first day of third grade, I got pointed to the kindergarten area. <laughs> which, which does explain why I needed snark. Oh, really good yes, point. I was, I was so small and my hair was so big and that was just who I was bouncing yeah. around, you know? Yeah. So we left this audition. God, adaptable. And on the drive home, I was like, well, they definitely didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs> and when we got home, by the time we got home, we got a call and I got the job. <laughs> She's what we want. And yeah. there's literally no one else like there's, her. There's no one else like her. I want to hear from you about like, what are textures about, like, women on screen that perhaps perhaps could be found in Tank Girl, but that, like, from our sort of upbringing years at a time that was certainly had a lot of problems to it, what are things that you actually want to sort of see maybe come back and work that you make for yourself about, like, this is what girls are to me on screen. And I feel like all the conversations about, like, niceness and empowerment, like, maybe we alighted over some other textures in the process of getting to, like girl boss <laughs> yes yes there there are so many examples of hot girl movies um and and bad bitch movies and all of these and and most of them are pretty problematic tank girl's not yeah. excluded from that nope it's got its own nope. issues um don't worry we are very well aware of them yeah i will say that the pendulum swinging so far the other way in the tens mm -hmm. where i think a lot of studios or i'm not sure decision makers yeah were not necessarily wanting to touch like oh we don't want just hot girls on screen yeah. with no substance to them yeah you know and so kind of the response to that was this other direction yeah like of, the idea of like ask her more on the red carpet where it's like but then we also stopped asking people about these fashion works of art that they were wearing so like right ask her additional questions but like more isn't not aesthetic and and presentation is also not nothing or also like maybe do your research and see if there's someone that's really interested in the fashion that they're yeah. wearing because there's a lot of people on those carpets that give huge shits about that absolutely um and so in the same way, like, what I would like to see on screen now is a return to the authenticity mm -hmm. of these, like, diverse characters mm -hmm. where bad characters are bad. <laughs> you know, they're, they're detestable characters mm -hmm. where sometimes there are stupid hot girls. <laughs> That are so sweet. <laughs> yeah.
and historically my favorite people. My fa- these are like the I I I'm here for them. I am the Lorax. I speak for the bimbos. Like I come come one come all. I will care for you and protect you. And and stupid's probably not even the right word. It's more like you know they have the valley uptick and right they're signifiers that culturally were stigmatized to indicate like stupid or simple. Right. And and don't get me wrong. Some of the uh, ditziest, uptickiest, <laughs> you know, spaciest girlies I know are absolutely the smartest people I yeah, know. absolutely. At, like literal lawyers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They are much more successful than I. <laughs> <laughs> and still 100% my favorite people. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see the return of those characters on screen. I just like... Miss them so much. These were like the girlies that we emulated. Yeah. These were the girls we wanted to be like Mm -hmm. or be with Mm -hmm. or be best friends with. And I just love them so much. I love bitches. Mm -hmm. I love true villains. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of what's on screen right now is either such character studies Mm -hmm. that we're losing... The ensemble of different characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, and focusing on just the lead. Mm -hmm. Or there's... Archetypes are fun. Archetypes are fun. (laughs) Archetype movies, archetype stories Mm -hmm. are fun. Like, odysseys are fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like, all of these repeated things in fresh modern takes... Mm I like them. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> I like explosions too. <laughs> Excuse me, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, give me as many as you can pack in a movie. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I feel like either they're these deep dive character studies, mm-hmm. which are great when you're in the mood for them. Yeah. You know, they're not necessarily the things... You and your whole family are going to go watch. <laughs> yeah. um, or a lot of things are really sanitized. Mm-hmm. And in that sanitization, we lose the authenticity of m- meanness mm-hmm. and, like, what that actually looks like and feels like or um, failure mm-hmm. and what that actually looks like and feels like or, you know, being self-centered. Mm-hmm. And what that actually looks like and feels like. And, like, these are things that have gotten washed out of movies because, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because, maybe because they were too overplayed. Mm-hmm. And and we went the other way. And, and in response to a lot of movements, we wanted to have, like, opportunities for different characters and different things on the screen. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can be honest about... The fact that hot girls are not just five foot ten, hundred pound. Yeah. Like like when we say hot girls, that is not what we mean. No, that is no. It is a dazzling spectrum. Yeah. So it's just it's more in the styling mm-hmm. and in the way we treat our actors on screen and giving them the opportunity to be hot girls and giving their characters more nuance. Mm-hmm. And we see little like bits and bobbles here and there. Um, so in, in She-Hulk, there's this drunk girl. Her name is Madison. Uh-huh. And she, I think, was in one episode, and then people responded to her so well that they brought her into multiple episodes uh-huh. and are now bringing her back in different <laughs> scenarios, like, different shows. Yeah. She is the best, like, 
Valley Girl, mm. ditzy, on-screen character I've seen in so long. Mm-hmm. And the response to her character was so huge because I think everyone is like, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Just a smidge of hot girl, please. <laughs> We're parched. <laughs> they just glommed on to her. And, yeah. and it's just like everyone loves Madison, you know. So mm-hmm. now we hopefully we see tons more of her. Um, but I think that's like a really good example of, mm-hmm. of what we need more on screen. I completely agree. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me today and engaging in the anthropological discussion with me <laughs> of what hot girl respect and representation truly means. Yes, I I appreciate you having me to discuss it. I think it's very interesting to see the last 10 years and how we've treated the hot girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see what the next 10 years brings, because as you said, a lot of our filmmaker friends, mm-hmm. a lot of people that we know that are up and coming, mm-hmm. Um, directors, writers, producers are very interested in seeing the hot girl return to screen. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we get tons more of that and we get a lot more diversity behind the camera Mm -hmm. and in front of the camera of what the hot girl means and looks like. (laughs) And hopefully all of them are from the valley. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I am so excited about Frenchie's role in this very important campaign that we are discussing today. Thank you again for coming in and talking to us today, Frenchie. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Francesca Maldonado, for joining us on the show. Uh, We mentioned the collection of shorts Bleed by the Fatal Collective. You can watch that in its entirety on YouTube. It's just over 13 minutes. So dip in and spend a little bit of time with the Fatal gals. And then there's Give Me an A!, which I have reason to believe is something that audiences will be able to watch at some point. <laughs> I, I have to be cagey about this. I am obligated. Uh, in the not too terribly distant future, it is likely you will have a chance to see Francesca's uh, short traditional within Give Me an A and watch the entirety of Give Me an A, of course, which you have been waiting breathlessly to do since I first told you about it on this very show. And now, my one quick thing before I go, Emily Browning is an actress who I really like. You may uh, remember her from American Gods. You may remember her from the very haunting, um, like, scary drama Sleeping Beauty. Uh, If you like, for some reason, the awful movie Sucker Punch, you might remember her from that. I will rarely, she's great in it, but I will rarely say that. I will rarely do that to a movie unless I feel it with my whole heart. And I feel it with my whole heart for Sucker Punch, guys. That that's It's a real exception that I will come out swinging like that. But that's, that's not the point here. But Emily Browning, you might know her. She returned to social media recently, which was a surprising thing to see in the feed because eh, she was always one of those figures that's like, I don't know that you really like being on the internet like this. For a while, her handle was smiling for money. There was a brief period of time where that was her Instagram handle. Um, then it became Emily Jane Browning. Then she dipped entirely. And then she was like, I'm back, guys. Soft launch of my return because I've got something to promote. I'm excited. See you soon. And turns out that thing to promote uh, Emily Jane Browning's uh, popped up in my feed with a trailer for this show called Class of 07. 
you've got me already from the title, called Class of 07, about a group of, it seems like, an all-girls school. Um, this is an Australian, this is an Australian show. It's an all-girls school is having their 10-year reunion, so it's like a double period piece. It's the Class of 07 getting together, I guess then, for their 10-year reunion in 2017, um, when, I will read the description for you, when an apocalyptic tidal wave hits during the 10-year reunion of an all-girls school, a group of women must find a way to survive on the island, uh, on the island peak of their high school campus. So we are getting a group of girls together for a not-quite-yellow-jackets, not-quite-Lord-of-the-Flies situation where they will have to deal with the old internecine conflicts of their high school lives and social strata. And there's, of course, like, the, you know, Emily looks like she might have something to prove to people. Um, there's going to be falling outs are probably going to happen. Uh, coming togethers after falling outs are probably going to happen. And huge news, huge news. This is an Amazon show, by the way, guys. It says it comes out March 17th. And that better mean worldwide. Like, I better be able to watch this. I, they can't keep this from me because it's in Australia. Not only do we have Emily Browning in this show, you guys, we have Caitlin Stacy. We have Caitlyn Stacy. You have recently, I'm sure, seen her face in an unbelievable number of places around you because she is the billboard for the movie Smile. So you absolutely have very recently seen Caitlyn Stacy's face around you because nothing has ever been promoted more than the movie Smile. So I know you know Caitlyn Stacy's face, even if you don't know her oeuvre. Um, but yeah, I'm so like all girls school. Ots material, um, conflicts, friendships, stranded on an island needing to form a new society together. This is it. This is for me. This is for me in the way Yellow Jackets was for me, and I knew it. And I'm so excited uh, for this show. Again, like, I don't know if there's some global block on, like, when shows appear, but, like, it says March 17th. So watch a trailer. Get ready with me for the premiere of Class of 07. I can't cannot wait uh and that is that's my i i hope you can feel the genuine excitement coming through the airwaves um and that is our show that is our show filled with so much excitement over francesca over class of 07 caitlin stacy emily jane browning give me an a we're all we're amped you can follow this show on twitter at feeling scene pod or you can send us an email at feeling scene at maximumfun.org if you want to follow me i'm jorker on twitter that's j-o-r-c-r-u our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.